When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The race is on. Or perhaps I should say the sprint qualifying session for the British Grand Prix is on. Because today was the first time in World Championship history there's been a short, sharp race to decide the grid for Sunday's Grand Prix. Max Verstappen passed Lewis Hamilton at the start to win, but did the sprint race concept work and how has it impacted the weekend so far? I'm Ed Straw and joining me to give his verdict is Gary Anderson. Well, hello, Gary. Let's pile straight in with your general impressions of it. 17 laps, 25-minute race, just over 100 kilometres. What did you think? Um, I, today, I thought it was pretty good. You know, it was, it was, uh, I think the drivers made it because they went into the race like they would do a normal race. I don't think they actually realised it was only 17 laps. So, you know, that first lap, first couple of laps, was a, was a real battlefield um, right through. And, and I, you know, I think that was... That was uh, an important thing. I mean, there was a couple of little skirmishes, but there was nothing I would have called um, out of bounds racing. I suppose you might call it. You know, it's it's, it's sad. I say we just heard that George Russell's got a three place grid penalty for his little skirmish with uh, with Carlos Sainz. But you know why? As a first lap incident, yes, it was his front wheel hit Sainz's rear wheel. But you know, th- we want racing. We want to see these things happening. Unless somebody T-bones another driver, you know, deliberately, then I think, you know, you have to have a little bit of bumping and grinding on the way through there because it's it's, it's the way it's going to be. That, that's what that race is supposed to be about. A bit of aggression um, and trying to improve your grid position. And um, I'm sorry, but, you know, the penalties handed out afterwards, uh, they're wrong, completely wrong. And, and that will just ruin racing for the future because people will say, OK, hang on, I can't do that anymore. And... Um, and that'll leave us with a procession. We we saw real racing for, for quite a few laps, and we want to see real racing for quite a few laps, but the penalties will destroy it. Yeah, that's the problem. And ultimately, we talked a lot about the, the risk versus reward, and the harsher penalties will inevitably mean there's, there's greater risk. I can see why Carlos Sainz was annoyed about it, and he said that yeah, normally the stewards let things go on the first lap, but perhaps it would be fair to drop him behind me, and that three-place grid penalty obviously does does put... Russell back behind science on the grid. But uh, anyway, I think the really interesting thing was, speaking to a lot of drivers after the race, it, it was the right sort of length and tyre conditions for them to push pretty much throughout, uh, definitely for those on the mediums, even for those on the softs. So I think they enjoyed that. And it wasn't just the fact that it was a short race, it was the fact that it was finite as well. So they didn't have to manage knowing that they might need to have a quick in-lap. It was something you could, 17 laps, leave it all on the table. And that simplicity probably did lead to some quite good racing. 
Yeah, I did. I mean, I think the first lap, you know, if you look at, um, at Verstappen and Hamilton, you know, there was nothing left on the table there. That was that was them doing the best they could to do the job, which was their, you know, that was what they had to do. They were first and second on the grid, and they were either going to end up first and second, or they were going to end up second and first as such. Um, Verstappen got the drop on on Hamilton, and away he went. So, but but again, that that that's what racing should be. I mean, and to see Bottas starting the soft tire to try and jump Verstappen was was quite good. It was a, a good team ploy. Um, he didn't quite make it, but um, he was in there to to have a go at it. Just the the argy bargy between Verstappen and Hamilton stopped it happening. But then further down, if you you know you look at Alonso starting on the soft tires, I mean it was just mega. Uh, he was he was in there racing, you know, really hard, and he knew those tires were going to last for ten laps, and then the last was the last seven laps or something was going to be a bit of a struggle. But he was driving within that, and he was trying to make the best out of it at that point in time. And then obviously going to make it into a, a very very wide uh, Alpine, um, which he which he did a bit. I think uh, I'm I'm not sure. Whenever you see. Russell getting the penalty, and you see the weaving that Alonso was doing. You know, it wasn't dangerous. I have to agree with that. It was, you know, the other the following car was behind them, but it still was using a lot of track. And uh, you know, whenever those sort of things are happening, well, anything can happen. And I, I didn't quite like that so much. I think a warning earlier might have just been a good thing, because there was points in time where there wasn't a cause with left either side of the car. So. Um, you know, a warning is important, but I, as I say, going back to George Russell, I think that's really, really ridiculous. And I think whoever made that decision needs to be careful going into the circuit tomorrow because there's a lot of good British fans there that uh, might not like that decision. That's bad news for Manuel Perro. I think he's uh, one of the stewards. <laughs> Saw him in the paddock uh, earlier. It's interesting because we did see the four drivers who started on softs. Three of them made gains. Bottas obviously didn't. The hope was he was going to jump Verstappen and give Hamilton a bit of a buffer that didn't pay off but yeah Alonso made up four places Ocon three uh, Kimi Raikkonen started on softs as well and made up four places so those who took the risk with the softs it did actually pay off for them and even the one who didn't gain didn't lose out so that's very positive in total it, it did shuffle up the grid I think only four drivers finished in their original position so Bottas in third Charles Leclerc fourth Pierre Gasly in 12th and Yuki Tsunoda in 16th so it shuffled the pack a little bit heading into the race. But yeah, the star really was Alonso. I'm sure everyone saw that on board at the start, but he made the most of that soft grip. And then he's so good to watch, isn't he, on those first laps, picking those gaps, putting his car in the right place. You know, you just feel like you'll be driving along, kind of approaching cops, I think he got Lando Norris. And Norris probably thought, well, where does he come from? So all the way up to fifth place, which is just brilliant to see. Well, I think, I think whenever you look at races in general, you know, Alonso and Raikkonen are good first lap drivers. They, they definitely have the experience and the, the, the courage or the, the confidence to dive up in there and, and have a go at something without making an a big episode. So I'm pleased to see that, that happened in the, in the sprint race, the same, the same thing. Um, the, the bit that sort of, I suppose, is, is slightly disappointing is that, that we never would see Bottas as somebody who makes progress at the start. You know, if he's on the same tire, you know the best to do is is probably hang on to his position. He was he was set with a different task today with uh, the softer tire and trying to jump Verstappen um, and or Hamilton if you know if it needed to be because he could let Hamilton through later on. But it never happened. So again, Bottas, you know, I think Bottas underperformed in that situation that he had, um, and Alonso and, and Raikkonen both overperformed. I suppose you might call it. 
from their grid position, relative grid position, to to where they start the race tomorrow. So, you know, again, it, I always look at who who makes the most progress in the first lap, and who who sort of then stabilizes by lap ten to see who's in control of their their destiny, I suppose you might call it. And uh, Alonso is always somebody that's just right in there, fighting all the way. Yeah, and it was one of those days that did pay off that attacking approach because those who lost out there are a few of them generally it wasn't through any great misadventure obviously we've talked about Carlos Sainz he ended up only losing two places net because he ended up 11th but because Q3 hadn't gone well for him and he could have been fourth or fifth and he was down in ninth on the grid he will have been hoping at least to pick off a few places so to be 11th was a loss but I guess Sergio Perez the the biggest loser comfortably didn't finish he was running a pretty much at the back anyway, behind Latifi and ahead of the two Haas drivers. He had that that strange spin, sort of Beckett's into Chapel. Don't often see people going off there, but playing the turbulent air. But yeah, a big blow for him, obviously seventh place at the time. So that that has pretty much, not completely ruined, but it's it's severely damaged his Grand Prix. Well, you know, whenever you consider though, he started fifth and at that point in time he was seventh. So he did, you know, he lost out. Um, he lost out to begin with as well. So he didn't make a good initial um start of the race and then obviously as you say losing it there i mean you, you know it is a fine line you are on the limit through there get behind another car and the, and the wind a little different the turbulence a little different a different angle to the other car and, and suddenly it snaps on you but you know surge has been around for a while now um those things probably need to stop happening to him but you know there, there's always a good enough reason for it happening but you know with that experience you should be able to be in a position where you sort of know that when you're doing it right and doing it wrong. And that's what makes the real top guys. I mean, I love Sergio. I think he's a fantastic racer. I think he's really, really good at looking after the tyres. But um, he's he's been around long enough now to be, you know, really at the front if he's going to ever be really at the front. Um, and I'm afraid he's not right there at the moment. So, you know, Max Verstappen in the same car is a, an arm and a leg better at the moment. So... You've got to take that all into account. And I think Sergio was trying to recover from the poor start going from 57th, just you know, on the limit that little bit too much following another car in the wrong place and suddenly just away on you. You know, and once ago, these things got so much momentum, you ain't going to catch it. It's very, very seldom that you see a driver get into a big slide and, and pull it back together again. It's usually a history book for that. And he was lucky he didn't hit the barrier. I mean, a bit of a rough ride through the grass, but um, end of the day, I think the they did withdraw him for um, for reasons beyond reliability, just so they can do some changes for tomorrow. I imagine we may well see them breaking the park firm properly and uh, giving him a chance to make up some some ground tomorrow. We should, I guess, talk about the, the battle at the front. It, it was short-lived, ultimately. Lewis Hamilton's job was to hold on to the lead. He held on to the lead for about three seconds. <laughs> the initial launch seemed to be okay, but then second phase, Verstappen was just away. I guess that's the worst nightmare, isn't it? And... In a way, you could say Mercedes are victims of the, the sprint race format because they got this hard one pole position, and then they've lost it for the actual for the actual race. So frustrating for them. Yeah, very frustrating, obviously. But again, if you looked at how the weekend unfolded, <clears throat> I think Max Verstappen and the Red Bull did have the pace to get the, the the pole position, sprint race pole position from Friday. I'm not quite sure what we should call these things anymore, but. The, uh, the qualifying on Friday, I think Max had the pace to do that, but he obviously he ran into some setup um, problems. I think that uh, affected the car and did a lot of understeer. Um, but never mind, you know that's reality. That's what happened, and, and Lewis Hamilton got pole position. Their developments that they've done 
um, obviously has, well, we say obviously has helped the car. Uh, in theory, they should help the car. I believe that what I've seen on the car uh, should give them more underbody downforce, which has enabled them to run less rear wing. Um, because you know the, 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 the sum of the total of the downforce is all those bits add up together. It's no one thing. And uh, the rear wing is one of the least efficient parts of the car. The underbody is one of the most efficient parts of the car. So at the end of the day, you know, they can add downforce with a very efficient area, reduce the, the drag by taking away the rear wing, um, and they end up with better straight line speed. You know, they've been complaining about Honda, their engines being a bit suspect as far as uh, developments are concerned with their the second engine they put into the Red Bull this year. Um, they've been complaining about the regulations, about, you know, one thing or another. And they're still complaining tonight, I think, about stuff. You know, they don't like getting beaten. They really don't like getting beaten. Nobody likes getting beaten. But sometimes you have to accept it, you know. Since 2014 to 2020, many, many drivers out there and teams were getting beaten by Mercedes. And they all took it on board and tried to better themselves. I think Mercedes need to take it on board right now that there is another team that can beat them. And there's a few other teams that are nipping at their heels a little bit more than they'd probably like. So take it on board that, you know, King Kong as you are, um, one day King Kong does fall down. The interesting thing is, obviously, there was a lot of talk about how attacking would be, but as Verstappen said, it is two points. It is pole position for the race. So potentially, all things being equal in the race, that should have given Verstappen the race, ultimately, which is a very significant move in the uh, in the championship. He's gained a couple of points, and he could gain a, a whole lot more tomorrow. So... Yeah, a, a significant blow. I just want to come back to Bottas. It was a funny one, wasn't it? Because I quite like the move of putting him on softs because it did look like the softs would last reasonably well. But I did also say to Mark Hughes just before the start, that I'm not sure Valtteri is quite the person for this assignment because he's not the person you always see storming past into turn one, is he, unfortunately? No, that, that's correct. I mean, I, I thought whenever I saw it, I thought, well, softs are a 10 or 12 lap tyre. You've got to make good use of them during that 10 or 12 laps because the last five laps might just be a bit of survival. Um, and if, you, if you've made good enough use of them over that first part, then you can probably hang on there for the second part. But uh, the opportunity to get ahead at the, at the start was where you had to make it. And that's, as I say, that's what Alonso did. Alonso made great use of them and Bottas didn't. So, again, I think, you know, for a, for a driver driving for a team that is, you know, obviously a very, very... Um, competitive championship winning team who want to do the same again this year. I'm not seeing that bit from them that makes it makes it exceptional. You know, I think one of those sort of things is off the start line. It's always difficult for everybody, but you've got to you've got to make use of what you've got, and that's what Max Verstappen did today. I mean, he he made use of what he had. You know, at that one point in time, if if um, Lewis Hamilton got round turn one before him, it was over. It was history. And Max couldn't allow that to happen, so and he didn't. Whereas with Bottas, you don't see that. You don't see that sort of real scruff of the neck stuff that I think you need to see um, in those early stages whenever the cars are all together. Because once it spreads out, you're you're, you know, you're knackered, really. Now, talking about the the tire differences, obviously that was one of the variables that was interesting today. We did have four who started on the softs, with the rest on mediums. How representative do you think today was as a trial of? The sprint race format obviously it's a sample set of one which is fundamentally flawed but can we expect that with this particular length of race we'll always have two compounds that are that are workable or i guess even three if it's uh, particularly uh, miraculous 
do we think this is transferable or do you think that just the circumstances today were in the right sweet spot? I think I think the circumstances were in the right sweet spot. It was a, a good day um, at Silverstone. Weather was great. You know, everybody could have a plan. Um, the 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 view the spectators were just fantastic. I mean, it just that, having that crowd there to sort of cheer it on made such a big difference. I think to everything. So let's not underestimate the power of the spectator. You know that they made today a, a, a fantastic day. The sprint race went down very well, but I. I think this was this was number one of one, and uh, my biggest thing would be is as the teams get accustomed to it, there won't be the same challenge. The, today's challenge was unknown. It was we're on the grid here. We've got seventeen laps now. We've got to drive the wheels of these things. What happens? And we'll see at the end of it what happens because we don't know. Right at this point in time, we don't know, and that's really what happened. You saw. I mean, Verstappen, uh, Hamilton. I think Bottas had blisters as well. Um, I'm not sure through the, through the grid because we didn't really see any. I saw Vettel; he didn't seem to have any blisters, or Alonso didn't seem to have any blisters. So, different cars, different things. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we saw 17 laps of of pretty hard racing. I think at the end of the day, Max you know backed her off a little bit in those last couple of laps, which you'd expect him to do. Bring it home, Jam. Uh, you know, and and uh, take the take the points. It's as I say. I think the set by the time this comes around the second time. It'll be a bit more tame, I suppose you might call it, just a little bit more tame, because you'll realise that one place in the grid is a really good thing, but actually you just better to be where you are rather than lose two, and uh, that's that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, Carlos Sainz paid the price today for that same sort of thing. You know, he tried to do something, and the other driver went a little wide and touched him. So be it. That's that's life. But uh, you know, you might be a, bit, a little bit more reserved in the future. But today was was day one of the sprint race, and, and I think the drivers made that today. They they really had a, a good fling at it. But don't estimate uh, underestimate the crowd. They made it really, really fantastic. Yeah, Monza will be the next sprint race weekend. There'll be a third one this year. They haven't decided where yet. They were talking about Interlagos originally, but I think the chance of a Brazilian Grand Prix happening this year are vanishingly small. So we're not expecting to uh, to be there, but. What about the, the whole impact on the weekend? Obviously, we saw FP1 into qualifying. They're in part firm at that point. So FP2 was a bit of a weird extra tyre evaluation session. They couldn't really change the cars. We could do a little bit of front flap or whatever, but nothing beyond that. So the impact on the teams and also the impact on the event for the, for the fans, uh, both those at the track and those watching at home, I think we can probably agree that it's a good thing that we've now got three thing, three days of things happening as a focal point each day. Friday was a thousand times, ten thousand times more compelling because there was a proper qualifying session. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it depends on what the objective is. I mean, Lewis Hamilton tonight is calling for it to be a two-day event if you're going to do that stuff. Um, so we have these budget controls. We have, you know, fairly serious still world financial crisis going on because of COVID and, and lots and lots of reasons, but mainly COVID. Um, so we have to look after the, the pennies to make sure that the, you still have some pounds in the bank at the end of the season. Um, so we need to make sure we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think what we had this weekend was very good. Um, practice one on, on Friday, excellent. The qualifying on Friday, excellent. Practice two, I'm not sure it did anything for me. I, I you know, I probably, you know, if it was tomorrow and I knew what I know today, I wouldn't bother watching it. Because it was, you had no idea if your loads or tires or why or what people were doing. It was just a, a random thing of racing cars going around the track. That's okay if you're there because you get the smell and the noise. But um, 
it's not okay if you're watching TV because it doesn't mean anything. There is, there is nothing going on. And then obviously we had the sprint race, which was excellent, and tomorrow's a, a normal Sunday. We're going to have a Grand Prix. We'll still have a guy on pole position, and we'll have a guy in 20th. Uh, so we have a Grand Prix tomorrow that's exactly the same as before. The only difference that's come out of the weekend so far is that Max Verstappen's got three more points in the championship, Lewis Hamilton's got two, and Valtteri Bottas has got one. Um, that could be awarded quite simply for qualifying. You know, you don't have to have it because of a sprint race. You could you could do qualifying as normal and award those points for first, second, and third in qualifying. Exactly the same, if that's what you needed to do. So I think you need to sit down and look at it a little bit. Today I thought it was quite a, a good spectacle. Um, but it was a test. It was a sample of, of a thousand that you could do, probably. Um, and I'm sure the powers to be will look at this and say, you know, how do we alter it? How do we move it on a bit? And for me, for me, practice too was, you know, an absolute waste of time. But um, if they want to have an event that happens on a Friday and on a Saturday and on a Sunday, which is what we had this weekend, then, you know, the, the powers to be want a three-day event. They're not, they're not focusing in on trying to uh, make a two-day event with less, uh, you know, less expenditure, I suppose you might call it. Yeah, the, the aim is definitely three days with something big and sellable on each day. That's good for the promoters and it's good for the television broadcasts as well. And therefore, it's very, very good for the people who are giving them money and the team's money. So it works for works for them. But I think what was interesting is it was nice to see teams challenged and not 100% on safe ground because the pattern wasn't yet set. The drivers after the race, some of them were a little bit puzzled. I think a few of them said it's, it's not quite sure what to feel because normally at this stage we've done a race and it's the end of the Grand Prix but effectively they've done the first I guess it would be quarter now of a Grand Prix and then there's a there's a lengthy overnight stoppage isn't there so it's a funny one from from that perspective but but the drivers did enjoy the fact they could push a fair amount which I think is encouraging and that's something we are really hoping we see more of next year if the new Pirelli tyres allow it that's a that's a big if but they say they're making good progress so I tend to think that anything that makes the drivers a bit uneasy and the teams a bit uneasy is good because it just asks different questions, doesn't it? I, I imagine this sort of format change would be just the kind of thing you'd revel in if you were on the pit wall. Yeah, it is. You know, And the thing is, the drivers were able to push, but it was because of the limitation of the laps. It was 17 laps, and from lap, what, 14 or 15, to be honest, um, Hamilton's tyres and, and uh, Verstappen's tyres, you'd have been in the pits if you had, if you had another, whatever it be, 30 laps to go. Just because the, uh, the 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 tires, you know, the, the right front was hanging off the rim. To be honest, you know, the blisters. So you'd have been in the pits pretty quickly changing tires, and then you would have paced yourself a little bit more. So we've either got to get to a point where, for the real race, we say, right, okay, you've got to do two pit stops. You've got to run all three compounds because that means you can push. You can push on each tire because you know you're going to be stopping and putting the other tires on anyway. And that would be exactly the same as as it would be now. You know, you start on the softer tyre, you push hard for the, as it was, it would have been 15 or 16 laps probably. The tyres will start to blister. You come into the pits, you, you know, put on the hard tyre or the medium tyre, whatever you want to put on. But, um, you, you know, we keep on talking about the, allowing the drivers to push, but do the drivers really want to push for, what was it, 55, 56 laps around Silverstone? For the Grand Prix, do they want to push for 56 laps on one set of tyres? Because that's just a waste of time. Today they were able to push for one on one set of tires for seventeen laps, and probably fifteen of them was the when the tires were crying enough. But they were able to push for that amount of time. So you know they can do that again tomorrow, but it'll mean more stops. And unless you 
people will, the drivers and the teams will always go for the fastest race time. So if that means doing two stops or one stop, they'll always do that. And at the moment, backing off, taking it a bit more, a bit easier and doing one stop is a quick solution. So unless something is put in there to say you've got to stop twice, compulsory stop twice, then it'll never happen. And you will never get a tyre that you can push for, you know, for, as I say, whatever it is, 25, 28 laps, you know, without having to look after it dramatically. So I think they're, 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 they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot. Today was a great race because they get pushed for 17 laps. Go out tomorrow and do the same thing. Pit. Go out again, push for whatever, 17 laps, and pit. And go out again and push for the, the rest of the race. And you can do that. You can do that right now. The tyres are okay for that. Yeah, and I imagine, as you say, yeah, it will compromise your, your result. But it was interesting to see what happens when you strip down the race. Ross Braun did the rounds after the race, and he was being very positive about the simplicity of it. But... I have reservations about that because the reason all this complexity was introduced was to spice up the show because it was a bit too predictable. So I think we have to reserve judgment, but everyone will be looking very, very closely at it. But I think it's a a qualified success for a first one, but let's see what the next ones bring us. Well, thanks very much, Gary Anderson, for joining us. Do head to therace.com and, of course, don't forget the hyphen to read all the fallout from the sprint race and, of course, our coverage of the Grand Prix on Sunday. The Race F1 podcast, of course, will be back after the main race for everything you need to know about the British Grand Prix.